Holtz. Recorded live. And here we are with the health and wellness for the golden age. And we're talking about winter. What a wonderful thing, because here it is, December 16th. We have nine days to Christmas. Should we be singing our song, So Many Days to Christmas, or should it, should it be the, uh, the 12, uh, 12 songs or whatever those are? <laughs> I forget. Elaine. <laughs> but we got into heating, and we have uh, one of our people is down in New Mexico, but 7,000 feet up in the mountains, which is cold. And here we are in Little South Carolina, and uh, I'm sitting here, and I have a heat wave going on in my house. I am up to 53 degrees, and I've got my wood stove going, and my little dogs are under their blankets. But uh, we're, we're talking about how to build um, different ways of, of getting uh, firewood, if you want to call it that, and uh, Elaine brought it up, and you can go on YouTube, Elaine, and you can see all the different ways they made it. I've looked uh, to make uh, burning fuel from shredded paper and sawdust, which burns really nice if it's compacted, and it's it's actually odorless, etc., and it's it's free. You're getting rid of the leaves. You're, get, you're getting rid of uh, paper instead of it going to the uh, the dumps and disintegrating there. You're shredding the uh, the leaf, the paper and put it in a, in a big, huge, I don't know, an empty type of um, garbage container, a clean one. And then you can use a drill thing with a beater on the end of it. They have them where this, I guess it's for making cement or something, if you do it at home. And it just kind of beats the paper into a pulpy situation, and the sawdust is out there. And then you put it in your form. Now, a form can be a block. It can be a cylinder. It can be anything that you want. I've tried it in many different things. It can be round, big round, small round. I got uh, PVC pipe, but as I was saying to everybody, I couldn't get it out. I couldn't figure out how to get it out. I've tried it with plastic jugs, and nothing held well. But the PVC, it, it is your um, PVC 2, I think. 3 is not a good one but PVC too, and that had a good thickness to it so I could really pack it. And my porch is so hot during the summer because it gets all the sun on it. It's a perfect kiln, so it would get really hard. And um, I had all this all figured out. I never figured out the time in doing it. So what what were you going to do, Elaine? Has anybody ever heard of these kinds of things? I'd love to have feedback and if they've done it. <clears throat> my, I don't know because I'm not really uh, connected out here. But one thing that I have seen is that if you use the the big uh, ten gallon uh, buckets, like you get at Lowe's or somewhere like that, um, you take this newspaper, you do like a wonder press, and then when it's dry and uh, packed, you don't wait until the it dries out hard. But you use you can actually cut the lid of the bucket 
smaller and then put your plunger on it. You might have to bolt it. The one guy it's on the video bolted like a handle to it to stretch it. Kind of like making sand uh, mud pies out of sand. And so then before it's dry uh, and hard to where it'll stick to the bucket, you you turn it upside down and let it sit in the sun and get hard. Then you have a big round bob. So then you can very easily with the handsaw after it's dry, just cut, you know, uh, three, four-inch circles out of the bucket fold uh, of this, you know, smash paper. And and that works. Um, the other thing people are doing out here that's cool, and my landlord wanted me to do it, but I, I don't want to do it, um, is, at least not now, is making a tram wall. And that's really a cheap, affordable way to uh, use nature to heat your house. So if you can picture it six inches uh, tall, we'll say, picture a window frame. And so the frame is six, sticks up six inches from the wall. And so it's plywood backing with a frame. You paint it black, and then you... Uh, you cut a hole the size of a shoebox, a sideways shoebox, in the top and the bottom. And you uh, save the cutout to put hinges and make a flapper. So then you put glass over the framed box. So basically now you've got a big box. Um, The ones that I've seen and the ones that I've read up on are usually about five feet tall by about four feet across. And then uh, you bolt that to your wall. You cut holes in your wall, top and bottom, through into the inside of the home, uh, the same size as the shoebox. And then you put your slapper on there, which is that piece of wood from the cutout. So then what happens is you, you have this box facing south. So that it catches the sun. The sun accumulates inside the black heat of the black box, and it heats the air. And then, if you have both flapper doors open, it, it your house creates a vacuum, but sucks the heat in through the bottom, and then it pushes it. Some people put fans on, put like a little fan on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the smart, yeah, because you're you're getting the outdoor heat adding to your indoor heat, so that's good. I know with the people that did it in the uh, Nevada desert, what they did, they did, uh, they took old tires and they built uh, domes and they built even square houses with old tires. And they filled the tires with cement, which was a uh, another insulation. And the tires were an insulation. And for lighting, they would take the old um, plastic, the bottles, uh, the big bottles, the long quart size or something, or even glass bottles, and put them in the different locations before the tires all... Um, uh, cemented up, and it gave them lighting. And they found that during the winter they were warmer, during the summer they were cooler. 
Yeah, when I lived in an adobe house, um, it was very old, and the walls were like um, 12, 14 inches thick, just clay. And and But I had radiant floor heat from solar when I was living in my mom's house. That was her house. But it, it really, it insulated out the cold. I mean, even without the radiant heat on, I was, the house was staying like about 70 without any heat on dead winter. There you go. Yeah. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. I know what I'm doing because we've had such snow getting cold here that um, Master Mine won the run. I decided I'll wait until it gets cold and then I'll do my little plastic things. But I did it last year where I put uh, the bubble wrap and I got a whole huge gigantic roll. I totally overfigured. But I've got this gigantic roll of bubble wrap and I cut it to this, I made a template and I cut it to the size of the window frame and I put it, uh, put little plastic in each. I have these French windows, so every room had little teeny squares, you know. So when I took them down in the fall, uh, in the spring, I had to label which room I got them from because I wouldn't have had any idea where they came from. So um, that was just uh, an aside, I'm saying, so you know what to do when you take them down. But what I found was as the weather would get warmer, they kept falling off the window. Because you spray a little bit of liquid on the window, just water, no fancy stuff, and then you push it into the window. And so that was pretty cool until it got too warm. And then it was on the floor or dripping down the thing. So I've had to kind of, okay, what can I, how can I do this this year? And what I figured I would um, do is I'm going to take I'm going to tape them together on the window frame. I'm going to spray them with water, put them on, and then I'm going to take a little stickies or a piece of paper and scotch tape them off it over it so it won't take the paint off in the spring. Because that's what I found. I was losing my paint when I would tear things off. So I have to be very cognizant. This is a rental house. I don't... Uh, care to lose that much uh, of the pain for the owner's sake, at least. So I, I was thinking, how can I do it the least damaging? And so that's what I'm going to be doing. Have you tried painter's tape? I have tried it, and I had that. And that worked uh, fairly well in some of the other rooms. The one that was right next to the my wood stove tore the paint all off, so... I have to be very, I have to do that a little different, and I'm still figuring that out. There's a new thing out that I saw at the mom and pop hardware store. It's an old style Ace hardware, and uh, they have this thing now where you, you can put those squares up, but then they have a plastic sheet that will go over your window and you take your hair blower, and it, it'll adhere it. I think you put a little tape around and you put the plastic on to hold it on there, but then you shrink wrap the window. Huh. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. They have um, some bubble wrap too that has a a real light type of glue or something that will stick right on the window and it'll stay on. My son used it once and I thought, oh, how neat, you know. <laughs> and you can see through the bubble wrap and everything, see outside. Yeah, yeah. And, and everything else was so neat, but it, it, it had a glue, t- it was made specifically for going on the window, so they they put a, you know, a glue backing on it. So this wasn't just regular packing material, it was actually bubble wrap to put on the windows for insulation, and it really worked pretty good. Yeah, it cuts the, it cuts the air draft down. Mm-hmm. And yep. this is an old building. This is a yeah fifties, probably even a forties blockhouse. So you know there's no insulation in the sucker. And um, but that didn't doesn't stop you. It just you have to be creative. And that's yep. why I'm being creative. <laughs> <laughs> I have I was long say- on. I have fourteen layers of clothes on. <laughs> Yeah. I'm I was going to say earlier, um, it, this is more towards getting a fire started, and it'll work with wet wood, too, because um, it's hard to get wood, you know, wet wood started. But anyway, we would make fire starters, and you take the cardboard, can't take the plastic ones, the, you have to take the styrofoam ones you have to take the cardboard egg cartons. And oh, okay. You, you, you make a mixture of sawdust and wax. And you fill, you know, you just melt down the wax, put the sawdust in, mix it up, pour it into each one of the egg cups, and let it, you know, solidify. And then when you need a something to start a fire with, you just break one of the cups off, and the... The cardboard of the egg carton works as a wick, and that's, that's the part that you light. And you can eat, it, it'll burn long enough to actually, you know, get wet wood started too. That's if all your, if your, if your wood is really wet and you have a lot of it, you might need to take a whole egg carton or something. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and another thing, if you don't have matches. And you can't, you know, or, um, you know, and you're not real good at the, you know, whole whole stick thing. Um, uh, just a second. Okay. I, I just finished reading a book, uh, and it was one of these in another, another kind of universe. It wasn't a space type thing. It was just this girl has been writing this. Four sets, a book, a set of four books, and it was each a progression in this one uh, young boy's life, and uh, it, it was exciting read, really. But they had fire sticks, and they immediately started the fire. And I'm like, where is that fire stick? And here, actually, author is bringing up an idea an alternative idea for a fire stick. 
I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just somebody wanting to make my life interesting this morning. Anyway, oh, okay. um, <laughs> they don't leave messages or anything. They just, you know, annoy me. Anyway, um, this other thing, you know, if you don't have any matches or a lighter and you're not, you know, real good with the whole, you know, getting a fire started with with the stick between your hand thing. Um, if you have on hand that very, very, very fine, fine, fine um, steel wool, you know, oh. you can use it for, like, scrubbing stuff, but it's a very fine, fine one. It's not the coarse. Um, oh. and, and a 9-volt battery. Yeah. You take that 9-volt battery and touch that steel wool, and it'll start a fire, <laughs> like, instantly. Yep, the uh-huh. start will get that going. Yeah, excellent idea. The other excellent. thing that you can do is to save your um, lint trap fuzz from your dryer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the lint, yeah. That, that really catches stuff. I put uh, a lot of that. I have a couple baggies of that in my little uh, emergency backpack uh, because that really works good for starting a fire. Yeah, many a house is burned down just from that. Yeah. Patricia. Huh? Yeah, go ahead, Colin. Okay. I have packed away. Okay, it was originally introduced about 1870, 1875, I mean 1770 or 1775, by Henry Nock, a London gun maker. And it looked like a small pistol with a flintlock on it. And it had a stand and everything else. And uh, you cocked it. You opened up the, the sparking, the frizzin. And you put your tinder in it and closed the, the frizzin and you pulled the trigger. And it would start a fire. And, of course, you know, when your tinder started burning, you had a candle with, with, it, went with it. And you lit the candle and everything else got lit off that candle. And I've had the thing for a very long time. But the last place I've, I've, I've known of that had it was a place in Tennessee called Dixie Gunworks. And they did have them. Now, I've got, wow. some, got a note there. But, you know, uh, for quite a while, uh, young girls, when they were putting their hope chests together, uh, would have, you know, from the, the more well-to-do families would have you know, one or two of these in their hope chest. Yeah, because it sure be a, it beats if uh, <clears throat> you have to start the fire. That's what my my buddy Pat lived uh, in southern Illinois, and she said they had wood-burning stove, and she said, well, will be tie you if you didn't bank the fire correctly at nighttime. <clears throat> now, bank is where you put money. What does bank of fire mean? And finally, in the third year of my doing um, stove and having a wood stove, I'm getting it. Yeah, I think I'm getting it. Let me rephrase no. that. All you do is close the vent, close the vent, and it uh, the fire smolders all night. And then in the morning, supposed to. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, in the morning when it comes up, you open up the, the firebox and put more wood in it. You've got enough in there to, to ignite the wood. Well, I have sparks that I see in there, but it's not always enough to ignite the wood. That's why I have the little um, learning curve. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, now on what you were saying, is that not like what they have for fire starters here in the um, for starting grills and stuff where you click on the thing and it starts a grill? Have you seen That's- those? Yeah, Bic makes them. I've got a couple. Yeah. I use, yeah. I use them to light the uh, light my Coleman lanterns and things of that nature. Right. But, so is that the kind yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, this, you know, it's used for starting barbecues. Yeah, but is that what you're talking about for what yeah. you were... Yeah, it's a butane lighter. They're cheap, yeah. they're easy to get, and you just get about a half. You get a, you know, a dozen or so and put them away. Well, my problem is uh, my thumb doesn't work well with them. That's why I've not been able to use them. So I've got the big, huge uh, wooden um, matches, and that that works fine. But I'm not outdoors. I'm in the house. So there is a difference. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. So this, you know, People that are coming on, they think this is a weird conversation. But you've got to be ready to to have a fire in in some kind of a, a container that will keep you warm if the power goes out. So go ahead, Arthur. You wanted to say something. No, I want me. Oh, someone was going to say something, and I just want, I didn't want to uh, have him not say what they were going to say, because it's important, I think, that we're aware of this. Pat? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, another way you can do it, too, is if you're in a, in a bad situation and you need a fire, you got a cell phone with you or a iPhone or anything like that, take the battery out of the unit and uh, it'll do the same thing as the 9-volt battery. Oh, cool. Just like um, uh, Elaine was saying, cool. Yeah. yeah. And what you use? What you use is uh, four-aught steel wool. That's the size of the steel wool that you're saying. Yeah. Zero 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 zero. Okay. They're cheap. Just go to a hardware store and get yourself a couple of balls of it, and you pack it in your emergency equipment along with. Uh, several packs of 9-volt batteries. Cool. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. And the, uh, the dryer lint, I've got, I do the same thing. I've got a couple bags of it tucked away. And uh, it works for excellent for tinder. Yeah. Yeah, the only, yeah. The only thing I will say about the dryer lint, <clears throat> if you use any of the, you know, like dryer sheets or even downy or something in the washer, which I don't use that stuff anymore. But if you do, it gets into that lint and it's not very good for the ozone. I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's not quite like burning plastic, but it, it's, you know, I don't it use is them. a toxic. Yes. 
I don't use no, I, I don't I don't I don't either. I'm just saying if you you know, if you do though you wanna think about that. Well, if you're outside and you're having to use that, the ozone layer isn't, isn't going to be affected that much because you are outside. And the fact that it will dissipate so fast that you won't be able to uh, have much um, burning. It will go pretty quick. But your point is well taken if you're doing it inside and you're thinking you can put it in a wood stove. There is where I would have a great hesitancy because you're endangering yourself and you're endangering uh, the people around you. Well, so, ozone layer isn't really <laughs> in the house; it's outside. <laughs> but oh, correct. I, I, correct. I, I'm, I'm just. I was just. I just thought I'd put that out there because we, you know, the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, I never even thought about that. You know. Yeah. Does yeah. it come up? Chemicals in that softening stuff, you know, is yeah. is a tox is toxic. It is toxic. Yeah, yeah. Just little and people. Yeah, and people use it. And it people use it. It makes the clothes soft and everything, but that it, it impregnates the cloth, and they wear it against their skin, and it gets absorbed into their bodies anyway. There you go. You know, you know what I use them. I put vinegar white vinegar in the washer, you know, in my little cup thing that, you know, where you'd normally put softener or whatever. I put vinegar in there, and then in the dryer, I have these wool balls, and I dry them, or dry, get the dry, clothes dried, and then I put it on a air fluff. When I put... You know, if I, if you want them to smell, I put um, drops of essential oil, or whatever smell I want. I use lavender, but I'll put that on the balls and then put them through the um, air fluff cycle. And the only thing it, it makes the clothes soft and that you know between the vinegar and and the balls and everything, but doesn't really help with the static cling. <laughs> That's the part I got to figure out. Okay, how do I take care of this? You know, but I just shake it really good when I, you know, it comes out. Of course, if the more polyester stuff you have, the more yep. static you have, but it's it's a learning process. Yeah, it is a learning process and uh it is about us being willing to go through this learning process to better to get better uh, mobility. I hang my clothes outside, so all of my clothes uh, have that fresh outdoor smell. I can't smell diddly squat. So do I care? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I really, if it's strong, if I smell something, I'm going, oh, my God, it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> for me to be able to smell it. Uh, and I have this one little girl who is, um, it's one of my Bobsy twins. My Bobsy twins for people are the two little chihuahuas that I've adopted, and uh, they are so funny. But she's been very well trained in the sense that if she has to go tinkle, she goes on the little white pad. Well, I didn't know that when I got her. 
So I was going, where am I smelling pee? And I don't know where they're doing it. And so finally I figured, I said, you know, just to relieve my mind, I'm going to put these little white pads down. And uh, she will go on the white pad. And I, I don't have to, she goes purposely to the white pad, does her job, and then goes uh, back to where she needs to go. And I thought, solution. And it was a solution for me because I, I was at a loss where to, I mean, I wasn't even sure where they were peeing. So I couldn't even clean that up because it, by the time I smelled it, it was all long gone. So that's why I don't have a gas stoves and I don't have gas stuff. <laughs> Oh, well, just a little bit of human husbandry here, um, animals. But anybody else have anything else? This is cool. I like where we're going. This is fun. I I wanted to mention that, um, uh, and I'm not an expert on this, but I found this out, and it's something to be concerned of. When you have a fireplace, uh, potbelly stove, whatever, you're using uh, different, if you, they say if you use uh, certain kind of papers, like papers that you might get in the mail that are have kind of like a plastic sheen or whatever, that aren't just strictly dry paper. Um, that, And I found the same that with newsprint. Newsprint has uh, a color flame. Uh, so um, when it burns, it has like multicolors and aura type color thing, but that creates creosote in your uh, pipe, your exit. Oh, as a pine tree. Oh, okay. And so you got to be careful because uh, just recently here, everybody has some form of fire heat out here. And so recently here, and everybody has modular homes, meaning a mobile home, but they call them modular homes when they're the right. big the larger ones, but so that just recently in a modular home, so it was one of the big ones. I just live in a little single wide, but um, in the big ones, um, the creosote had um, gotten so thick on the inside of that exit pipe that it actually caught fire, yeah. and and it and it burned the house down. It just the first thing it did is heat up the fireplace or that pipe, but it was surrounded by bricks for decoration. It heated it up, <clears throat> caught fire inside, and toppled over on top of the house. So I have looked at, and then the house burned down. So I have looked at, you know, okay, what do you do about that? And so one of the things is to burn just regular paper, you know, um, if you're going to burn newspaper, just realize it's slower than like if you burn your mail or magazines, anything with a shiny cover on it. But um, those things, uh, if you burn newspaper, uh, just realize that in time, you're going to need to either, um, they recommend using a um, that bristle. You can get one of those bristle kits with an extension for about 10 bucks at a hardware store. And just go up and, and, and you know, every, uh, like they say, six months, I would do it every four months probably if I was burning dirty paper. 
but uh, and just clean that creosote out. And then they have these other things that are uh, like liquid chemical creosote cleaners. But I'm pretty suspicious about anything that's chemical. So that's one thing to kind of be aware of. Um, but you can take, uh, like I noticed on the fireplace, I get that black smudge on the back wall. Um, and it looks like it's there forever. So I have this biodegradable uh grease, it's non-chemical, it's some kind of thing, it's a grease cutter, uh, and so I just spray that on the bricks, it's not flammable, and, and let it soak in for a little bit, and then it'll, once it dries, you just take a little brush and yeah, just brush it off and it's clean. That's just for the inside of the fireplace. But that's one thing to be aware of with the, when you're burning the papers and stuff. That's um, a I, great. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Wow. We had we had a wood burning stove in our one house, um, and all we did was burn wood. We didn't burn paper in it, and it got the creosote buildup in it too. So I don't think it's just paper. I think you need to watch out for that creosote no matter what. We had it in in the fireplace too, and we weren't yeah. burning paper. Um, in fact, we we quit, we actually took our wood burning stove out because our house just about burned down. Um, <clears throat> luckily, we we caught it fast, you know, before that happened. But um, <clears throat> that creosote is is just a a uh, residue of burning anything. I think um, it builds up inside there. So I don't. I don't think it's just the paper. I'm not. I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm. I'm just saying you might want to pay attention to it with just burning anything, even wood, that you I, do get these build up, build up in there. Basically, I just got the uh, paper information from the manual on the fireplace on what kind of paper mm-hmm. to use uh, that it helps or uh, makes the build up of creosote faster and greater because of the chemicals in the paper. But you're right, it's the wood, yeah. too. And this wood that I'm getting, like, I'm, uh, there's mold on it. Like, the old wood that's dry, there's mold on it. Mm. So there's so much that's, you know, contaminated with our planet. I mean, you know, and different kinds of wood. Boy, have I learned about wood. When you go to chop wood... Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to make that wood like little skinny pieces of stick. I didn't even know what that wood was, but little pieces of stick start a fire. And I take my little hatchet with my file and get it all sharp and then my hammer and, and you know, try to crack it down. Well, if there's a branch or a knot, forget it. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're super strong. And I'm not super strong. But you got to be careful with that stuff. But you're right. Yeah, and it's interesting to find out that colored paper and stuff like that is worse. So yeah, that's that's valuable, you know. But I never would have um I mean, we only burned wood and we had the creosote, so you know, I'm I was just, you know, making that point. But it's just about anything that you burn, but Sounds like the colored paper is worse. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're saying it because I'm like, oh, this 
crappy stuff. And I'm seeing that much of this paper that we're even getting is non-flammable, and it's like, oh, I just got to get rid of this stuff. And so I've been throwing it in just to get rid of it, and now you're telling me to really, because I hadn't done it for the years before, but now I see that, okay, there's a reason, and I've got to pay attention to this because uh, I had our handyman check my my little chimney up to the um, up the wall to make certain I wasn't building up too much creosote because of just what you're saying. Because uh, this was a, uh, they did have a fire stove of some sort where I have mine now. This house is that old. And uh, they had kind of cemented it up and we uncemented it to, so I could have a fire there. And uh, so I've been very conscious of some of that. But again, you're you're bringing up stuff that it's important for me to be more tuned into. Also, what I found is that the um, what is it? Uh, you said something about um, oh, it'll come back. But with doing fires, oh, I know with the green mold on the tree, that's a direct result of the spraying that's going on around us. Yeah. The trees, we're losing so many trees around here. At my um, credit union, they had all their nice, leafy, broad trees. You could have your car in the shade during the summer. Cut them down, dug them up. They're now putting in new trees here in winter and are going to see if they can get um, new trees. This is scary. I mean, you go down the street, we have green on so many trees. They're sick. Direct yeah. result. Yeah. Um, it's really beautiful up here. Uh, I like to go to, uh, you know, it's real forested. People wouldn't think in like a, der- a desert, arid place that it's real forested, but it's very forested. And I like to go up with Ray to a place called Angel Fire, beautiful drive through the forest. I mean, all you see is huge, tall pine trees, just a carpet of green in the sky. It's so beautiful. But um, you'll notice, uh, in fact, I noticed it, and this is what was weird. There's a tree on my lot uh, on the, right behind the home, and and so I had, when I put the house here, the branches were right by the fireplace. So I had to uh, cut the tree, or at least some of those branches by the fireplace. And I noticed on the sun side, which is, uh, let's see, this one's on the south side, and that's where mold usually grows on the south side. So this is weird. Um, that the branches were yellowing and brittle, like I could just break them. And then when mm-hmm. I got up higher, um, because at that time I didn't have a ladder, so I tied a, a big rock to a rope, uh, and then threw it up over the branch and let the rock fall down so I could pull the rope and pull the branch down low enough to cut it. But um, it was infested with spiders. Uh, oh, wow. Little baby spiders. And that the webs contained the little egg sacs. And that's what was killing that whole one side of the tree. Is They're it's called bagworms. What is this? Bagworms. 
No, bagworms are bagworms are different from spiders. Bagworms are like worms. They're worms. Are what? Spiders. Bagworms are actual worms, not spiders. Well, this was spiders. But, oh, um, okay, correction. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Tell me, what do they look like? Because uh, I didn't see an actual spider. I just saw all these webs and these egg sacs. So, well, that, that's yeah, what we bag. call bagworms, and they, but they were on a pine tree. So, uh, offer you maybe on the, a better definition, and we had to spray them with some kind of a chemical. And it was so strong, it put me to bed. I was so sick from it. And um, we had a big drama over it because of my son and what he did. But uh, the issue was that those bagworms, if they break, they will infest the whole tree and all the trees around. So I had to be very, very cognizant of how I handled it. So, Orford, explain to us what you're calling bagworms and what I'm calling bagworms. Okay. The term bagworms is actually a term used for a worm that actually makes a, um, encases itself. and They look like little pine cones hanging off the tree and... <clears throat> But when you get up close to them, you can see that they're they're not a pine cone, and you have to pull all these things off. We we had a big infestation of them, and we had to get them all off of there, and you know because they will kill the tree. Um, the uh, but they they look they look like they're in a little bag, a little sack. Right. And when, they, when, they when they break when they break open, an actual worm comes out. It's not a spider. Now there are spider, or there are there's webworms also, which looks like a big white web that's in the tree. But I think those are also worms. Um, but you can, I mean, but they're not spiders. <laughs> Bagworms are worms. Uh, um, I'm not sure what these were called that uh, Elaine has, but. Um, the bagworms are actually worms, and they're they're a little. They attach themselves to the branch, and somehow or another, the bag that they make to go around them, they're little chrysalids, I guess is what you call it. <clears throat> kind of like what a um, caterpillar does, you know, to transform into a butterfly or a moth or whatever. It's uh-huh. little chrysalids, but it looks it looks like a little pine cone because they use the pine needles and coat the outer outer outside of the the little bag and each bag has a worm in it and you can tell when the bag has been opened up and the worm has escaped because you'll find a little hole at the bottom if the if there's not a hole there the worm is still in there and you can pull it off of there and squish it See, we we used a spray, and that was how we were doing it. But uh, the spray was deadly for me, and my husband never did a thing about it. But I I didn't want to lose the pine tree. Yeah, and, they they, uh, they will kill. Yeah, they will kill the tree. Yeah, we we, we could we couldn't figure out why in the world that the 
pine tree was getting a lot of dead branches, and we're going, and it just looked like there were a bunch of pine cones on the tree. Yeah. I think that's nature's way of protecting them, but they looked like little pine cones hanging off the tree. And when you got up there and looked at it, you realize, wait, that, that, that's not a pine cone. <laughs> right. And then you start seeing some of them with a hole in it and realizing, okay, something came out of that. And you start realizing that this was not, not a pine cone. And, um, they were worms that were, and I don't know what they come out as, but whatever it is that they're, they ruin the tree, they kill the tree. Now the spiders, I mean, I've seen, you know, spiders in trees too. Were you seeing a bunch of webs on the tree? Well, what Plain? I was seeing was um, a, like a, a sack and then a big thick web that stretched up the branch and then another sack and then a big web. A lot of sacks mm. with the long web that extended. And and then the webs would cross over to the next branch and then there'd be another sack. I didn't actually see any spiders, but mm. I mean, I just so, assumed oh, so the because look at all the webs. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, if, if I mean, there are um, spiders that do, you know, form in the trees, but um, you might have been looking at webworms too, because webworms will make their web, and it'll look kind of like a spider web, and it'll be all in the tree, but it'll be worms. It's not not spiders, but you said you saw little baby spiders. Well, what I saw was little. Um, not the. I didn't see any spiders. What I saw mm-hmm. was little white, teeny little white, looked like aphids, is what I was thinking. And so I thought, oh, those must be the baby spiders because they're so little, uh, just so teeny, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, look like little it, white spots. It might have been something other than spiders, but it's certainly an infestation of some sort. So, yeah, yeah. you need to get rid of it. <laughs> I cut the what? branch off. <clears throat> where, yeah. and, and all the branches where where the webs and the sacks were, I just cut them off. And yeah. so far, it looks like well, now I can't tell because all the leaves are gone and there's snow. But in the in the spring and summer, it did it looked pretty good. I didn't see any more. Uh, but I saw the hugest uh, spider I've never seen. Uh, I don't know if it was a baby tarantula or a huge wolf. Spider, but I was, I had gotten this wood dumped, and I was picking up the logs and carrying some to the porch, and I was thinking, man, I hope there's no spiders in this wood. And then when I put the load down and went downstairs to get more, I saw this. What I thought was a fuzzy lint right there at the steps, and I looked, and it was the hugest spider. I mean, the body of the spider was the size of a quarter just the butt and then it had big old furry legs and everything it was awful and I thought oh my god <laughs> sounds, but, sounds like a wolf, wolf spider they can get pretty big can they? pretty how darn big, big. Uh, yeah how, how big a diameter was it um well the butt was um 
about the size of a quarter, you know, the big butt house spiders have. And then the, the head and the body part was like your little fingernail. But the legs were um, like oh, over, well, about two inches, sometimes over two inches long, uh, a little under the size of a straw and furry. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many eyes did it have? Well, that was smashed. <laughs> so it's apparently, it's hard got... for to get close to it to count them. In deserts, you have tarantulas. <clears throat> oh, you and, can tell us. Uh, see, they live in the ground. They dig a hole in the ground, a burrow, and line it with silk, and uh, <clears throat> they stay there. And you know, they just sit. They 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 wait, and prey comes by. They'll come out of their uh, their tunnel, take the prey, and do it. And females stay there all their lives. Wow. And every after seven years, on the seventh year of their life, the males come out of their their tunnels and uh, go wandering looking for mates, and then they die. Mm-hmm. But they get to be about three or four inches across. Legwise. Well, this one was about two inches, or maybe yeah. even more, with the leg stretched yeah. out. It, biggest spider I ever saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You was, know, was I, it a male I, or a female? Because he he, he <laughs> probably came. He probably came. He saw and he died. He, he got conquered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's how uh, hey, uh, maybe so maybe mating. he was looking to mate with you. Oh, sorry. No, it, it's the fact that they mate only once. But that's a, yeah. uh, a praying mantis that eats them. How you guys doing today? Well, female spiders will actually kill the mate too. Will they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so usually, if you're seeing, you know, a spider web <laughs> and there's a female a spider in it. Probably a female, and the females are bigger than the males. I tell you, I saw the hugest uh, praying mammoth out here. It's like huge, and I saw a stick bug. It's so cool Uh, out here in nature. Actually, you see nature. (laughs) So, yeah, it's really cool. But I've seen some strange bugs. I. I, on the day that I was cutting the worm or the, the branches that had the webs on the tree, uh, and then I was cleaning up the shrub that fell around the base, and I grabbed a bunch of what I thought was sticks and shrub from that, and I looked, and it moved, and I dropped everything and looked, and it was a huge stick spider. And, man, I tell you, they do look exactly like sticks. And the praying huh. man. A stick man, spider? A stick spider. So a stick bug. They're, they look like sticks. Yeah, they're called walking <laughs> sticks, but it's not a spider, I don't think. No, I yeah, said yeah. I was cleaning the spiders on the tree where oh, I was cleaning. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're called yeah. walking sticks because they look just like a walking stick. <laughs> wow. Ah, for sure. They're neat. Like, they're neat, yeah. neat to look at. Yeah. I just moved it out of the way, but that praying mammoth was huge. The praying mantis, I've never seen one that big before. Yeah. Those yeah, I've and, seen and dragonflies and, are... Yeah. In Korea... Yeah. In Korea, I saw 
praying mantises up to eight inches long. Wow. Well, this one That's was under three. That's a little too long for my apples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have, you know, you leave them alone, they leave you alone. Correct. Correct. Uh, you see one about four or five, about five or six feet long. You better be real careful. Five or six feet. Yeah, if you see one like that, yeah, it will eat you. <laughs> I guess it's bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. Good gravy. No, it's too big no. for me. <laughs> wow. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you doing, uh, Donaldson? Yes. Hi, Wonder. Let me apologize to you guys for not being on the call Um, over the last week or two. I've been waking up late in the day, uh, 8.30-ish. So I'm so sorry about missing the call. And I did uh, apparently miss a very important uh, memorial for a one Patty Cliff, and I just wanted to make sure that you guys all got a chance to know how I felt or the impact. I feel really sad, uh, but also feel pretty grateful, you know, because I never really met Patty, but she had a pretty, she did some human things, you know, and I was able to um, learn from Patty. I'm going to cry right now, but she was really thoughtful. We all learned from Patty. Yes. Patty was a great teacher for all of us, though. It helped She was a force of nature, too. (laughs) (laughs) One thing she She did was... She was her own nature, yes. And she was wonderful. She had a... She had friend, Google Plus to me, right? She information tried to add me as a friend or wanted me to add her as a friend. On, so I added her. And then <laughs> I, was, I got this weird message from someone named Patty Cliff. So I think I it was a weird message from someone named Patty, right? And I, I didn't recognize it at first being Patty, Patty Cliff. But it was kind of filled with like a, like, hey, she was like, I hate you, Donaldson. Donaldson, go to hell. You know, this and that or whatever the hell she was <laughs> ranting about. <laughs> she was saying That's something bad. that was... And so, and then, and then, you know, really, I was just like, in the response line, I put, Patty? Question mark. <laughs> I like, it was surprised. Uh, I was surprised to see that that, uh, that, that was Patty. And then she was like, you know, so forgiving and loving, and she apologized, and uh, we made friends again on, you know, on, and she just started sharing information with me via Google and giving me all these links and stuff that she was coming across. So, you know, Patty had a very, she reached out to, to me for God knows what reason, but it was nice of her, you know. Because people are important, to me at least. I've for two days. Seriously. 
I cried for two days. I just break down and cry. Think about daddy. <laughs> yeah. One thing well, I realized about what was going on with Patty was her illness was so painful that sometimes she would get really mean and say some off the wall things. But it was it was the illness, you know. And it made me remember my, my dad uh, passed away from cancer and this was way back in the forties, you know, early fifties. But he was, towards the end, he was very violent, very angry. And it was the same thing. It was just the illness. But I just choose to remember the good things, you know, not the bad. So I think that's good that you do that too, Donald. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's hard, it's hard to believe that someone I never met, really, in, in face-to-face, okay, had had a you know had an impact like this um an emotional impact you know but we did meet we knew each other over the phone and uh, for years all of us on these calls are friends it's snowing out here now <laughs> I'm out on the porch. I wanted to see if my wood got wet. Snow. <laughs> well, Patty is is always a member of this of of our call, and she may pop up through any one of us and say something, and we can allow it. And that's the big part about what Patty believed in. And, and Patty had a lot of great additives. Yeah, she probably was in a lot of pain, and she never said it anymore. She she had grown so much that she was <laughs> she had put herself beyond the pain if if she was in that much pain, and um, she she never shared it anymore on the call. Not that we wouldn't have worked with her through it. It's just that we didn't know it. So. Um, that is a, a good model for a lot of us to be able to go forward and <laughs> and do more about what we can do rather than what we can't do. It was a shock she to me. did a lot. Yeah. What? It was a it was a shock to me so to want to hear that she had uh, you know passed uh, because you know like you said uh, um, Elaine is that Elaine? Yeah. Uh, that she uh, she was, you know, covering up the pain, and uh, she was doing it pretty good, as I guess. I would have been more concerned, I guess, if I had known she was in pain, you know. So would all of us. <laughs> well, I was, well, before I actually got out of bed this, bed this morning, I was thinking, you know, okay, call and. Just running through the people that are normally on the call, you know, and Patty, I'm going, oh, but Patty's not going to be there anymore. I miss her. Even though she did say, I hate you one day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was going through one of her things, and and she fired off. (laughs) You know, can I tell you guys a quick joke? There There was this guy... 
and he was having he had a yeller I'll, I'll just go ahead it was a, used to be a commercial right i heard this commercial once basically and it was a not it was a stop smoking commercial okay and so this 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 person would come over the the microphone and say and you know i uh i had a i had a I had a friend. He was he was he was he was telling a story about me to someone, and uh, he uh, he he mentioned my name. He was talking to me. He said, he said, listen, Helen. <laughs> that's the that's the joke right there. It's it's hard. <laughs> you can't see the idea was. I was Patty a smoker because her voice was deep. You know, she had a deep voice. Oh, I think and, she smoked a long time ago. Right. The the joke was basically because it changes your voice to sound like a dude, and so right. she 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 was so rough and tumble, you know, in 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 respect, you know, and in 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 hindsight, just go look at Patty and she's just rough, you know, a rough gal, yeah. a she little went rough gal. A lot of rough life. She went through a lot yeah. of rough stuff. So, Pat, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I guess it was in the 70s it showed up. It was a public service announcement. And it was uh, done by Ewell Brenner. It was, you know, against smoking. And he started it right off, says, you know, my name is Ewell Brenner. And if you're seeing this now, it means I'm dead. And cigarettes killed me. Wow. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't remember seeing that. But I knew, I, I had heard he died of, uh, of from smoking. And same with that. Bill Russell. Bill Russell yep. was a cowboy, and they're the ones who did those rough and tough cowboys sitting on the on the horse and a camel or a lucky strike or a Philip Morton. No, there was usually lucky strike right. or camel. As a bet. So that, they, he had emphysema. He was dying. Yep. Yep. They were telling well, the, us. Yeah. Sad. Well, the other the other part was was that here's a good oh, joke. Here's a good. People thought I have I have a yellow shirt, a yellow slacks, and I wear them out all the time. And people think I'm a golfer. I'm not a golfer. I'm a farmer. That's. <laughs> You're a what? So that's, that's the uh, a farmer. In other oh, words. Farmer. It's, yeah, it's a not it's a non-smoking commercial. So here it is, one more time. Do not smoke cigarettes. Here, here's why. Because people used to think people used to think because I had a yellow shirt and yellow slacks that I was a a golfer. But I'm not a golfer. I'm a farmer. There you go. <laughs> okay. You, I'm glad someone laughed. It was kind of late. Yeah. But Teddy's yeah, got to get my heart melting right now. So thanks, Scott. Great, appreciate the time on your show. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And it's, she'll remember it. She'll get it. The messages go out. <laughs> How much of the manifestation do you I, think she she absorbed? The manifestation, you know, of the mind, of the all this, the power, basically, that we have that to be manifest? Was she really into that a lot? She, I think she did a lot of manifesting because of the fact of different things that came into her life and the healing that she went through was all, she said, I'm, I will beat this cancer. 
And she did a, um, to me, she did a really good job insofar as she stayed alive as long as she did because she was supposed to have died many years before. But on the call, you guys said that it wasn't the cancer that actually took her. We don't so she know. did. Well, we we don't know, but we don't think okay. so because she went she went so you know, she went so fast. Yeah. Her, you know, she she didn't go into hospice and was there for three or four weeks. You know, she just all yeah. of a sudden was gone. So, but we don't know because we can't get a hold of Bruce to find out. That happened. That actually happened to my grandmother. Also, um, when I was 18 or 19 years old, um, yeah, because she had been, she had an aneurysm, you know, when I was a child, only when I was like 10 or something like that. She lived like, you know, for another 15 years or, or like 12, 12 or 13 years. Um, and since she wasn't in the hospital, I was thinking everything was cool, you know. Everyone was thinking it was cool, and just she just didn't wake up one day. But mm-hmm. my grandmother, Julie Campbell, she basically took all of us from the foster homes that we were in and let us live with her in her house that her son, David, built with his hands. That's really cool. There's a, a wonderful family I read about. They have something like uh, 100 children or so, uh, and it's their foster parents. And they have, um, they have two or three of their own. But they said, you know, we have room here. And so they started taking in foster children when they were still young people. These two are in their, I'm going to say, 80s or something like that. And they are still taking in foster children because the children are without anybody. And it's it's a terrible sight, you know, to have kids not have anybody to go and just give them a hug. And these all these foster children come back and visit with them and bring their grand, their children and their, you know, it's it's a big family for them because of, of whatever went on that, that made them have to be in foster homes. Hey, that's so, awesome. You just gave me a great idea. I'm sorry? <laughs> no, it's a great idea. Take care of the yes. kids. And they need foster parents a lot. I, they have it in the paper here again. And it doesn't matter what age you are, they are doing even foster grandparents. So that's something that's really uh, a big help for uh, for any of us that are alone. So actually, that's really beneficial. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent news. Because when you think about the propaganda in the news, I'm kind of shifting, as Donaldson does, the the propaganda in the news regarding. Uh, the Islam community or Muslim community, right, with their families, well not, let's say the Arab communities, with their families in numbers increasing, but Americans and Chinese have no, they have dwindling numbers of, of, of family members because of, like, broken homes, um, you know, 
and then, and also divorces and, and you know what yada yada one child policy stuff like that. But when you think, well, we can have foster kids here, that's all. That brings a whole new understanding to family. It's expensive. It's um, um, alluring. Okay, first of all, because now you have a bigger family and more support, a huge a huge support system. But so many people in this country are turned off by the foster system. Are turned off by what? Are turned off by the foster system as opposed to turned on to it. You know, yeah, we have, like you were saying, this one couple, they're, well, they're an exception. I, I, I mean, you're, what you're doing for me right now just by this health and wellness call, I wonder, is showing me how my own experience of being in a foster home uh, actually is the lesson it's another lesson for me to be learning, and, and it relates to a, having a bigger family. I, I, I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking, I was limiting myself, thinking I could, I could only have a family that was, you know, uh, genetic or like, you know, with my, my spouse or whatever, um, and direct children, direct lineage, but I guess I'm missing the right words there. But, yeah, like foster kids would be, be great, and if you did a good job taking care of them, then they might come back and take care of you when you were old. You know, I mean, my my son Isaiah spent a lot of years in a foster home. Okay, my two girls are not in foster homes, and they're nine and eleven, so they're not in foster homes. That's good. But my son, he was. His mother was not all together, and I didn't have together. But at least. At least I recognize right now, in this moment, that foster homes have a purpose, a real purpose, a, a, a greater purpose than I even thought before. So thank you for that, Wonder. Well, part of the thing, too, in the foster homes, what is happening, and this is why it is what you're saying is very true, but in foster homes today, they are nap- kidnapping these children and then they're put in these foster homes where they are raped and pillaged and plundered. And that is where I think we can do the most service uh, if, if it, tunes you, it tunes you in to helping these little mites. Because, again, they're not the reason they're there. We have been totally brainwashed to definitely not have a lot of children, as you said, with the Chinese one child. Now they have all these males and no females. Or they have all, yeah, because you couldn't have uh, more than one female. You can only have one female if you have it. My son and daughter-in-law are, I'm, uh, have an exchange student from China. And her parents are, and I may be wrong about it, but they're immigration officers. And that's the only reason she's over here is that they're able to afford her coming to a very expensive uh, private school and to live here in America while she's going to school. So it's, it's an interesting foible. They don't want a lot of children, but we want them highly educated. And uh, I'm reading the Clancy book with how that can get torqued. However, with the purpose of the um, foster home is to provide a, a safe harbor, a safe place 
for these children who have been, uh, one of our gals from the Patriot Group, she's also our property manager, she was a, a do- not a docent, she was uh, an ad litem uh, gal for the, for the uh, uh, juvenile courts and children's court. And she said it made it, it, it turned her stomach what they were doing. And so uh, some people will go into the foster home situation for the money. And that's the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. And even when I, yeah, when I had my, I'm just going to finish this one point. Yeah. When I had my little special guy, Patrick, came along, and he was a special needs, and we knew pretty fast that he was a special needs. I queried a lot of people, what, what do you do, what do you do uh, how can you do it? And this one lady said, put him in a foster home so that they would be able to have him die quietly. And I go, Whoa! I hung the phone up because that that so upset me. How dare anybody wish any child to die just because they're special needs? Go ahead, uh, Elaine. Well, one thing uh, I'm a single parent, so and I have a handicapped kid, so I always worry. You know what happens when I'm gone? Right. And um, I met this lady out here. Um, and when I first moved here, uh, I met her visiting the, my mom at the nursing home. And she said, oh, I, I run a uh, hockey, hockey uh, like skating show thing. And why don't you and Ray come? And then you can meet my friend who has an autistic daughter. So I went and, and we had a good time. The woman that had the autistic daughter, it wasn't really her daughter. It was a family member with high-functioning, uh, a family member's daughter who had high-functioning autism. So when I brought Ray there, everything was fine until they wanted us to go to a restaurant with them. And it was a loud, noisy place, a loud, um, lot of movement, a lot of stuff. And that triggers my son. Yeah. And so he started acting out um, in the parking lot, and I was—I felt very alienated because uh, they rejected me because of the tantrum my son was having in the parking lot. And yeah, uh, like you know, ooh, he's really bad. Ooh, let's get away. Ooh, she doesn't. All the criticism. Oh, he's so bad. She must not be a good parent. And then all this stuff, and so. I just never did anything with them again because of the way they reacted. I never connected with them, and I thought there's no point because they they, they can't handle the reality of my son. So then later uh, in the summer, I went to a um, autism camp uh, where a man has bought a huge big of property. It's called Collins Ranch, a home for autistic individuals. And they wanted me to go, and, and so I went with Ray, and it was really nice. We looked at horses and ducks and dogs and all this stuff. But while I was there, I met this woman, the same woman that had the high-functioning autistic girl. And she was an older woman, past her 60s, and she was getting money uh, for having this adult autistic girl living with her. 
So apparently what she had done is she said, hmm, I can make more money if I if I adopt another or take in another in foster care. So she took in another autistic person. Now, they weren't willing to see the flip side of autism, the severe side, when my son displayed his level of autism. It was like, ooh, get away. I guess she felt like all autistic people are high-functioning like the first one. But the second one that she adopted was more like Ray. Oh. And, and, and I said, oh, you're here. What are you doing here? And she said, well, I'm in transition. And I said, what do you mean? And she says, oh, um, I adopted another child. She has autism, but she's going to stay here now. And I have to stay here for a couple of days with her during the transition. And when I watched, it was just like it was all about the money. It, you know, yep. you have to have love, really, mm-hmm. as your first, you know, you have to be willing to love the unlovable when you take in foster children and it, and especially those that are with disabilities because foster children are unloved. They're the unloved race. And, uh, you know, you have to be willing to make love your commitment regardless of anything. It's kind of like being married, you know, for better or worse. <laughs> um, but... It was sad because I saw a young boy, when I looked at the website, there was this whole room full of a Lego city. And I thought, wow, somebody spent a lot of time there. And I thought it was the the group, you know, the home working with the individual and encouraging him to be creative through structure with this building. But when I got there and saw what was actually happening, it was just him being given a big box of Legos because he's autistic and that's what he focuses on and leave him alone, he's fine. And so I... Ignore the child. So I sat with him. And then this this, um, aide that I guess worked in the home came up and said, okay, it's time for your meds. Now, she wasn't in any way uh, qualified. I mean... Uh, she looked disabled herself, to be honest with you. And she came up kind of like uh, authoritatively, all right, now you take your pills. And um, and he kind of sighed and shook his head, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But then sighed with resignation and took the pills and then, and then isolated himself back into his world of Lego to be left alone. He's being quiet. He's being good. Leave him alone. Yeah, you have to have a balance there, but that was a real turnoff for me, you know, to see this lady. And I try not to be judgmental, but you know, I mean, come on, if you're, if you're, it's just like buying a dog. If I'm going to buy a dog and and it's an, a thought out process, I'm going to research everything I can about that dog so I know what I'm getting into before I do it, you right. know. And if you have a, if you're someone says, would you adopt an autistic kid? You don't just say yes because you want the money, because you don't know if you can handle it. Can you handle having your hand broke? My son broke my hand. Can you handle being bruised? I mean, can you? Are you willing to take the challenge and stay with it? Yep. You know. <clears throat> Listen, there my, are many broken homes because either the man or the woman wasn't able to take it. And it, it 
it breaks up families. And so you do have to look at what is it I can handle. Now, they're asking for grandparents to come in and be foster grandparents. Well, my own kids don't even want to be around me as a grandmother, so how good am I going to be as a foster grandmother, right? So I've thrown that well, wonder, my wonder, grandkids you know, want to be around me. My kids don't. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's my the, thing, too. Go the, ahead, um, uh, um, uh, Last foster home that I was in was like a six-month stay. All right. Yeah. And that foster home was basically by an old man and an old woman, okay, both in their 70s or 80s. Okay, they were taking care of me, and I was 17 years old. Can you imagine the stress on those old people? (laughs) Or the relief of just being able to help Another youngster. Yeah. What a great group of, you know, a couple, you know, right? I mean, just, just willing to take a 17-year-old foster kid in for, for like a year or, or nine months, you know, that's, that's cool. I Those, thought they I gotta had to dump them out. I thought they had to dump them out, and it sounds terribly crude, but uh, they had, they basically dumped them out. At uh, the time, they were 16 or 17, so I'm surprised you were even there at that age that you were there. Well, what, what, what happened, in, in, at least in Riverside, is that, see, <laughs> uh, this gets deep. I was in a group home just previous to that. I'd moved around quite a bit in my childhood. Uh, but uh, when I graduated or succeeded or was re- released from the FOSS, the group home, uh, I was like 17 years old. So what were they going to do? You know, they could have they could have emancipated me, but I didn't apply for emancipation. I didn't have my wits about me. They didn't educate yeah. me. And it's not cool. I mean, the, if anything, if I ever have a foster family, then I'm definitely going to, there's going to be an education, you know, regiment there, you know, to, to understand the, the, the system. Uh, but, yeah, Tiny, he, he was awesome, and, and uh, his, his, his wife was awesome, too. They used to watch Jack Van Impe present all the time. I remember that was my first exposure to Jack Van Impe. Uh, so he was, and this was like, you know, 1992, so Jack Van Impe and, and Rexena were basically predicting, you know, re- reading the Bible and, uh, and, you know, talking about the Bible's revelations, and these people were really into that, and, and it's a good possibility that they were aware, this was a, a couple who was aware, you know, and they were really doing their part to help, so they're still out there, you know, but on the counter, counter side of that, uh, earlier, I was in a foster home who, where they were basically super abusive too. You know, like yeah. there was like punching in the head, you know, uh, isolation, all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, honestly, it's hit or miss. But if I ever got into it, you know, it would definitely be a decision 
you know, not based on my selfishness, but but based on, you know, giving a home to a child and an education and, a, and you know, and a sense of being to a child that has no other, you know, alternative. And that's a good point. Part of the thing that uh, we've been uh, really chastised here in the States is the issue of... Uh, we are um we've been um taught to have birth control and now i uh, and i've said this at school i said most of you children aren't even going to uh, young people aren't even going to have children because they've been sterilizing you with the food you're eating with the rest of the stuff so that we don't procreate and we don't have the large families and yet the muslims are coming along doing exactly the opposite so that they have greater numbers. Do you know why? So they can outvote us. That is why they're doing it. Well, you know what? That's why I'm not going to get foster kids. I'll get foster kids to take care of the children. That's what I just said to you a second ago. Those kids need it. But And the thought did cross my mind. Hey, look, what a great opportunity, and you're making a great point to make a bigger family, you know what I'm saying? Because the whole point of family is, you know, taking care of each other, you know? That's correct. Uh, and so there's nothing wrong with that. It's not even, I don't think it's really even immoral um, to want your children to work hard <laughs> for you, to take care of you while you're taking care of them, you know, or or at least in, in, in the long run be able to do that. So it's kind of reciprocal, Right. But I'm going to have to uh, stop talking. But thank you so much, everybody, and I'm really sorry that I missed last week's call. Well, thank you for sharing what your feelings about our Patty. She's a good gal, and we all will miss her. So we will go forward and keep the program going for the link you know, or whatever. We... We keep saying we're going to miss Patty. And we have yet to have a phone we have yet to have a phone call. He has been on the phone with Donald. Uh, you need to mute. There he is. <laughs> Thanks. Start again. <laughs> I said we. Uh, so far, the weeks that she's been gone, she's still been on our call because we've been talking <laughs> about her. There you go. That's my point. She will always be part of our. Um, uh, All right. So we, I think what Orpha is saying that we really never miss. Sorry about the noise. We really never miss Patty. We actually always hit on Patty. We continue. She stays in our in our consciousness. So she's not ever missed. She's always actually here. And as a matter of fact, if I sit here and say I miss Patty, and if you really think about the correct sentence structure, that's not right. Yep, yep, there you go. So, And we are at almost at the end of this program, and I, I do want us to start preparing for uh, what do you want to accomplish next year. And I'm going to do the reverse, so think about it. What is it I really want to accomplish next year? Where do I want to be at the end of the year? 
And uh, there's, there's a lot going on, and we have a lot to learn from each other. And I've got a whole lot of new stuff and, and new people I've been meeting. And uh, I thank Nikki, who's in Pennsylvania, and her bringing forward some very interesting people that I'm, uh, I'm learning from. So if you're interested, give me an email so that I can put you in touch because it is about getting back to our roots and uh, where we want to go with our roots. And um, and I don't mean the tree roots. I mean your family roots. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on, James. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So uh, it's time we took the uh, bull by the horn, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. and and uh, go forward with that. So uh, we are at the end of this day for us. But I want to uh, have everybody know that we will be here next week, and I may have a speaker. Uh, it'll depend. Uh, Susie Wallace is back in our uh, radar, and she was very good. She's had a very bad bout with uh, her accident that she had. She is easily over a year now, so I'm glad she's coming back. So with that, let's move forward and we'll do the ho 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 pono because we need that ho 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 pono in our lives. Sorry, I'm making it very musical so I get it pronounced right. How dare you be happy about the ho pono pono? I tell you, my God. No, it's good. How about I start it off? Okay, you go ahead. You've missed a couple of weeks, so go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive forgive me. me. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Love you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. There you go. I know. (laughs) Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Ever. Finish it up because I I start it wrong every time. Someday I learn. <laughs> it's just thank you, thank you, thank you. How, how, how? And with the whole attitude of where we are, what we're doing, how we're doing it, it's very important that we get into our hearts this season. So many people are turning Christmas into a 
possible. Just what we've learned over the years that it's just become a a merchandising phenomenon, and we're not interested in the merchandise. We're interested in who you are, where you are, and where you're coming from. And that's how we can best help each and every one of us to become whom we are here to become. It is not about hiding behind some silly old pretty dress or pretty something. It's not always about pretty. It's about being, being who you are, where you are, and what you can do that makes your life better and those around you will have a better life because you're feeling better, thinking better, acting better, doing better. It is all about who are you and where are you going in yourself. This is an end of a year. This is an end of a a, a time frame. This may be the end of money and uh, what kind of currency, what kind of housing, what kind of food, what kind of education. It may be the end of everything. It may be the beginning of the dark age. But if you know who you are and can be you, the fullest you in all your negotiations, talks, meetings with people, around people, you're the winner. They are also. So let's think of who we are and get better at it. Every week, get better at who you are and be wonderful and loving and caring. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And so I love that. Thank you. We're going to have a great ending this year. We are going to make it a great ending. So come back next week, and we've got two weeks to New Year's. So what are you going to do next year? How are you going to make yourself better, more powerful, more knowledgeable, more creative, and be the person, the, the man or woman you really are? rather than what someone has told you you have to be. So let us all put our arms out and let's give a big hug, spread it out, and bring in all those wonderful people that we we love and care and cherish and give them the hug that they need to go, I can do better. I can feel better. I can say better things. I am better. And that's what we want to give them. So on the count of three, let's go and give Maddie's call. Remember, it's that E. So one, two, three. Wow, that was super fragilistic. Expialidocious. You guys are Smell that. great. <laughs> It it <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, we're gonna we're gonna start a singing group. <laughs> that was great. That was the best we've had. So I well, they're always best. So uh, I love every one of you, and I really uh, wait for uh, offer to give us the kids off the Lego. Go oh. ahead. <laughs> I actually recorded them yesterday doing that. I should play it for you.
<laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't heard those kids in a while, man. What, where, are they still there? Well, see, I don't, I don't babysit them anymore. Uh, um, ever since I had my stroke, I don't babysit them. They're um. Mom is mom is And yeah, their mom quit work, so they're home. But every now and then, she'll bring them over to get a have a day off, and I get to watch the kids and. They were here yesterday, and they were playing with these lights that I had, and they were holding up to uh, – they look like eyes from Halloween. <laughs> and they are lighting up and blinking, and I was like, dance around, dance around. So they're dancing and stuff, and I say, say, hasta luego, bago. Hasta luego. Hasta And just, you know, really <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> So malleable, you know. <laughs> oh, they are. They're so, wonderful. And it gives you the whole love because they're all coming from love. They're the two love beings. Yep. So that's wonderful. They they yep. definitely bring a joy to my life. There you go. Hey, thanks, Colin. Thanks, everyone. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. Have a great week. Love you all. See you next week. Hasta luego. Bye. 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 Bye.